Howdy friends and welcome to the Full Disclosure Farming Podcast. I'm Erica. I'm a business school graduate turned farmer's wife. And I'm Joe. I'm a college dropout with a master's degree from the University of Hard Knocks. Together we run several successful farm and ag businesses. Let's get brutally honest about all the issues facing our generation of farmers and ranchers. Hello party people! Welcome back! How is everybody doing today? We are doing the much-awaited uh, podcast with my counselor. Yeah, today. we are here with another guest interview. We we're on site. We were reporting live-ish. Yeah, yeah, we were at her house. Um, it sounded like you all liked our previous one with Ryan. Yep, um, good feedback on that. I got a bunch of messages about it, which brings me to the thing. Um, I've gotten so many messages from everyone thanking us and talking about you know how much they love the podcast and how much it pertains to them and i would just like to openly say at the beginning that if i haven't got back to you i will i just you need to give me a moment in my life yeah there reaches um, a point where there's so many awaiting messages in your phone that need uh, attention from you that it's a little bit overwhelming so it's not a case of you're being ignored it's just a case of time management yeah. and just getting through everything. And I likely have glanced, that's the other thing, I don't want to leave anybody undelivered. But I have read, but I have likely glanced at what you wrote me, and I have likely writing something back to you in my head and just haven't done it yet. Um, if at any point I have gotten some mental health struggling, uh, at any point if you're you need like someone to talk to like like put an urgent at the top or hit me up again and i'll get you back stars just or some stars or something um you know a sad face whatever and i'll get you back because i have gotten messages like that and i and i will make you a priority but i just haven't been in a situation where i've been sitting in a truck waiting to get loaded or waiting to get unloaded or loading or waiting for someone i haven't been in that situation to get back to you What's going we on at always the farm do an update week, at the yeah. farm. Uh, last night at nine o'clock, I was in the trusses of our barn strapping the roof down hmm. in the payloader bucket, which was lovely. Alone, might I mention? Yeah. So we got a pretty nasty storm last night. Peak gust was like sixty-seven miles an hour. I would appreciate to not have that again. Um, all the new tin on the barn is still there, but that looks lovely. A little rest of tin uh, is is uh, the older stuff. We had to do some. Maintenance. Some um, kids in the shop. Yep, we are back from Aruba. Aruba was wonderful. It is definitely one happy island. Um, it seems like the farm fared pretty well. We're gone, and we are going to start tapping trees soon. We are ready for the new I'm year. Excited. So let's uh, let's get at it. Okay. So our special interview today is with Dr. Catherine Cleveland. I felt it was only fitting to interview a woman who's had a monumental impact on my husband's life, and therefore also mine. Clapping. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. She is my counselor. Thank you so much for all you've done. She's a little nervous right now, which is kind of funny. I've never <laughs> seen her. All right, listen. So let's loosen it all up. So when I first met you, the first meeting, uh, we've talked about this in previous previous episodes, the, the mental health episode. Like, like I didn't know, like, is this where you, like, lay on a couch, you know, and, like, stare at the wall and, like, there's somebody, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. someone just sits there and says, and how did that make Right, you? right. No, and that's not at all how this deal went. But anyhow, um, when I came there, I actually parked, like, four blocks away and, like, hiked through the, like, cold <laughs> the village. Because, because I was like, there's nobody can see the Yankee beef truck anywhere near the, you know, the, the, 
the counselor lady, right, you know, even therapist. stores and a sub shop and like 500 other things right, right there. No. Of course, he instantly was like, yeah. they're going to know. And I think I did that twice. And then I was just like, you know what? Fuck that. Like, this is neat. This is making me better. Like, you know, like I got to park my truck like underneath the Cleveland Emotional Health sign. And I'm like, I'm fucking here, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, so anyways, um, thank you for everything you've done, and let's get right into it. Okay, so our first order of business is for you to introduce yourself and then give us like an elevator pitch. So you step into the elevator with someone, and they are headed to the top floor, and they say, tell me about yourself. So you have that brief moment in time while the elevator's traveling up to kind of introduce yourself in whatever way you see fit. Well, first of all, I want to thank you guys for coming to, into my home and bringing me into a, being a part of this and reaching out to the community. My name is Catherine Cleveland, and I own a business called Cleveland Emotional Health, which is mental health counseling, and it's located in Geneseo, New York. Including with that business is I help residents, um, students that have graduated from their master's and PhD level, to actually um, start their own private practices. So I supervise um, throughout the years um, six or seven people and we keep, we have a turnover, it's a two year process. Okay. So that's really exciting to take all of my work and pay it forward. And what's really interesting is that we get to have a unique way of how we do counseling. We try to work from our background. And so as you guys well know that my background is in farming. And so it's my way of taking my, my years and years of experience being in a rural community and a farming community and then paying it forward. And it just has become a great niche and I'm in a location that hits a lot of areas to bring in a lot of people. So I'm, I'm very grateful yep. for that. So her office is located in Geneseo, New York. Kind of in like a central... Yeah, I was going to say pretty centrally central located to yeah. Western New York agriculture. Um, it's only, what, 40 minutes for me? Um, to get from yeah, our that's home, kind of a good... and you, but you also do a lot via like Skype, right? Like because I have friends that you've never met that I've I've yeah. I've mm -hmm. um, referred, you know, because when I when my first TikTok hit the world that Joe was seeing a counselor, I got a lot of friends who messaged me, and I just and and so I actually have like a whole thing I do now because now it's I don't know I mean I don't I, it feels like you you know half my friends and I don't even know who you're seeing but like people will send me a text and it just says who's that counselor you're seeing and I just forward the contact mm -hmm. and I don't ask no questions yeah. and and they some of them have come back to me and been like dude thank you and some of them, I don't know whether have ever messaged you or not. It's not my business. Right. They, they don't maybe care. didn't have the own um, follow through, but at least they have the information. Well, I think that a lot of them or most of them have had the oomph to follow through. I just don't think that they're in a place where they want to talk about it with me. They want to talk sure. about it with you. Well, and to address that, like, I'm not trying to like insult someone about not having the oomph. Like, it's a journey, right? Like, oh, think yeah. of how many times it came up in our lives conversation. Like, maybe we should talk. Maybe you should talk to someone. Like, that had to have come up between us six or eight times before we actually yeah. found someone. Like, and that in itself is a journey. Mm -hmm. What's What's really unique about it is that it's not a clinic. It's a private practice, so it's right. super private. And that's what we do. We try to keep all your information private because mm -hmm. that's the biggest fear. Mm -hmm. is you know to be able to have someone that we can feel confident and trust 
and you are not the only one who doesn't park anywhere near my fence. <laughs> oh, I got <laughs> <laughs> There's even a back door you can come through the alley if you want mm-hmm. to sneak in and out. So I highly respect that this is very private mm-hmm. and no one, it doesn't get shared. And that's the difference between a private practice and going into a, a clinical situation. Right. And I think that one of the biggest things is it's all... You know, I'm the type of person where when I am satisfied something with something, I will scream it from the rooftops. And people are concerned, or people, there's people in the world who don't want anyone to know mm-hmm. that they need, they need that. Like, and part of my doing this and our doing this now is that I wanted to stop having a stigma. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of. I'm sick of like. Oh, he needs a counselor. Like, so, like it's a weakness. Like, I'm a stronger, more. I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better farmer because now I, I, my perception of things is is much different than it was a year ago. It's it's a type of being vulnerable, and we yeah. think of vulnerability as weakness. Mm-hmm. So vulnerability is not like who, it's very specific who you're being vulnerable with. That's very important. But being allowed to open up mm-hmm. and in a safe place so you can really talk about things that have been bothering you. So mm-hmm. we, we're, we stop burying it, and that's really what makes us stressed and sick is mm-hmm. burying of it. So rather than avoiding what's going on in your internal world, we, we just help you look at it and face it in, in a method that works best for you. Mm-hmm. So one of my biggest things, and I, I think it's the quote, I guess is maybe your quote, or I don't know where you got it from, or maybe it is yours, that's to me helped me immensely is I stand by the thing without consequences you can't have boundaries and Mm -hmm. without boundaries you can't have consequences and I used to be the guy I still am a little bit just because people need tuned up in the world like I will hold you if you tell me you're going to do something and you don't do it I'm going to hold you very accountable Mm -hmm. and this just happened last week with one of our vendors if you will and it's like I told you what I wanted. You didn't do it. Now here's You agreed your, to it. You agreed to it. And, and then, now here's yeah. your consequence. Mm-hmm. And if you can't abide by my expectations, mm-hmm. then you're no longer a part of this team. Mm-hmm. And that to me, and, and I've used this with my dad. I've used this with my mom. I've used this with my family in a sense where this is, this is what I expect from you. If you cannot meet them expectations, do not expect to be in my wheelhouse. Like, you just go over there and hang out and fuck off. And I'll and you know what? Once people see that, I feel like they're more apt to be like, holy shit, he actually he did what he yeah. said he was gonna do. It's 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 you get some respect from that, but, but to be clear with boundaries is that they're not for the other person. Boundaries are set for ourselves and what, what we okay with, but mostly what we're not okay with. Mm-hmm. And so a boundary doesn't work if we don't have a consequence. Mm-hmm. So it's really important. Joe so, would like that, like, stitched in his pillowcase, I think. Like, what? Like, the boundaries, consequence. Thing. Yeah, like, I mean, I... like, yeah. slapping on a t-shirt. Like, he just... That's one of his I favorite, live. I live by that rule, and I live it in a, in a sense... What's different now today that was, you know, from a year or two ago before we even met was the consequence of my boundary was me losing my fucking mind on you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I literally would fuck you into the ground. And that... And I would, you know, I would just attack you and now it's like wow if you're gonna be an asshole then you can go over there and fuck off and i'm gonna go do what i'm gonna do and now i don't let it affect me like it did 
you know, where I would just get so revved up and like, you cocksucker, you know, and I would just want to lose my mind. And now it's mm -hmm. like, well, I gained me nothing to do that. And I, and I won't say, I'm not going to stand on this hill like I don't get revved up. Yeah. But it's way more, way less. Way less frequent. And it's, it's way more less aggressive, if yeah. you will. Like, the highs and lows are a lot more even If you don't cute. have boundaries with consequences, then what we are is we end up being angry and resentful all the time. All the time. All the time. Yep. So what that does is, is it, it allows us to see people in their best qualities mm -hmm. with the boundaries that we set. Mm -hmm. without the angry anger and resentment because mm -hmm. that's what's really going on mm -hmm. is we get angry because we're crossing our boundaries because we haven't set any boundaries and then there's no consequences mm -hmm. uh i need we need to break away one second because okay. we need to update the people on my dad okay um so this this is this ties perfectly into this so um you guys we kind of alluded to we were having some struggles with my dad and and and, and exactly what we're talking about boundaries yeah. mm -hmm. and expectations and we had a, a talk with him and told him our expectations. For the and, new year, we're like, we need to just change right. some things. Like, this isn't working. And this man, you guys, is a fucking animal. Like, star, best employee, employee of the year so far Brand new goes human. to <laughs> my father. And you cannot, you truly cannot believe this. So I just felt like a little quick story. So we went away to Aruba. Yeah, it was yeah. this last one. And I'm like... I got back from Aruba and I had forgot to drain one of the releasers in the woods. And I'm like, Dad, can you remind me to go over and drain that releaser when it thaws so it doesn't fuck anything up? And he's like, oh, I took care of all of that. I went around with a hot pail of water and I scrubbed all the releasers. And I, you could have pushed me over with a, with a, a teaspoon with a tip. <laughs> you know, I'm like, you have got to be fucking kidding me right now. And he's like... And I didn't say nothing. I'm like, wow, Dad, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Like, that was huge. And he's like, well, yeah, I just want to get it done while it was warm out that day. And then he texted me Sunday morning. And granted, I mean, this guy has not been to the farm on a Saturday or Sunday in almost a year. And he texted me. He helped me Saturday morning. And then he texted me Sunday. He's like, hey, do you need help putting chains on the mixer tractor? We got that storm. I don't know if you need me to come up and help you. And I'm like, yes, Dad, that would be wonderful. And what we found out about him, and it's a, it's a bad quality of mine and his own, is that he's not really a self-regulating type of person. We had this conversation mm -hmm. off air a few minutes ago that not all people can be their own boss because mm -hmm. you have to self-regulate, right? Well, my problem is, and it's always been my problem, is I will let something piss me off for too long until I turn into an asshole about it. Mm -hmm. You know, so like we kind of learned something about each other in that, in, process, in that process. Yeah. So I just that was just something that would tie into the boundaries and expectations. Yeah. Stuff. So we huge score with our show right now. Yeah. Um, so let's rewind towards <coughs> your education. So you studied business. I read this in your bio on your website. You studied business and then you changed gears into like a mental health field. You wanted to study the why of human behavior, which I totally respect. Like just even digging into your why and anything in your life, I feel like is super valid. But what drove that decision for you? Because it feels very like business, I don't want to call it black and white, but then you shifted sort of towards like a very emotionally driven field. Like those feel like very far, it feels like a far swing to me, but I could be looking at it wrong. So that's a great question. Um, so business originally was when I was young, didn't know what else to do. We're farming, I was married to a fifth generation dairy farmer. 
And so that was kind of a way just to, you know, get on top of everything, what was going on at the time and being able to manage, help manage the business. Um, we also, uh, we did a lot of uh, racing of horses too. So we didn't just do dairy and crops, but we had a fleet of race horses that we raced up. And Could you imagine me taking advice from a horse person? <laughs> <laughs> so here I know I'm sitting next to a great horse person also. Um, so we did a lot of uh, track racing and some steeplechase racing, which was a great career. And um, unfortunately, my husband uh, passed away. He had brain cancer and that gave me an opportunity to you know, kind of settle things with the farm and see where to go with my life. And one of the things, if you really kind of pay attention to what really, you know, speaks to you, feeds your soul, was I've always curious about human behavior. I'm like, why? You know, when you hear things on the news, you're like, why would people do that? And I just didn't really understand. So that was kind of an opportunity to have a new chapter in my life and a catalyst to get back into school. And also it was a little bit of an ego thing to see if I could even get back into school at a higher level. So I wanted to see if I could accomplish that. And I started out in clinical psych and it was not for me. It's a, and I was, that's okay. You know, I just needed to be there. It was a great experience, studied a lot about brain science and but at one point, I'm like, well, you know, what I really want to do is work with individuals one-on-one. -on -one. And so I found counseling psych, and that was just a, a complete switch, and I found my people, and that's where I started to thrive. So that's um, kind of, as, you know, older, being able to switch careers and not worry about what other people think, because I got a lot of pushback on that, like, why would you do something like this? But it really um, didn't just use my background to help me come into this world of counseling. And I absolutely love it. I'm glad you found that. The timeline after your husband passed away, then you switched gears into the counseling. So it was kind of like a catalyst mm -hmm. for change, like you said. Like yeah. that life event kind of yeah. opened a, a door for a different opportunity, a different direction. Yeah. It presented itself and I decided to really sit there and think about it and say, you know, I'm going to try this. I had no idea where it was going to lead, that it was going to lead to this private practice and working in the farming community. But maybe there was, you know, the universe had a, had a bigger idea sure. for me. So well, and the worst that it. could happen is you didn't like it, right? Yeah, and you decided absolutely. to do something else. Forgive me for, I don't know exactly the right terminology, but you did your PhD study on suicide and agriculture. Was it your master's thesis or what? So it was a little bit of starting doing some writing because we have to do a lot of literature reviews, you know, just preparing us for academic writing and research. And, you know, I just remembered one time sitting in a class where a professor was kind of insulting me for not being academic enough. And I was like, you know, if I was a person of color, that would have been a racist remark. So it really opened up my eyes to that um, I actually have a, a culture of my own. You know, you look at me, I'm just a, a white female and you just think, you know, that you're just fit in. But this is a unique culture. And that's one of the things that uh, I learned in the research is that we have our own community, our own way of talking, our own type of work ethic, the way we see the world. And that's how in the farming community, especially, you know, with livestock farming and, and crops, that we can really connect in a way that people don't understand. So that was just opened my eyes. And I'm like, you know what, I really need to look more into this. Mm -hmm. And because this is really important. And one of the biggest things I discovered at that time was the high rate of suicide 
in farming. And what's really interesting is this isn't a new phenomenon. This has been going on for hundreds of years. And not only in the United States, it's really popular in Australia. And it, what's unfortunate is all the research done on suicide and farming is done mostly in Australia. Luckily, their farming techniques are similar to ours, so we can kind of you know, generalize it a little bit, but we don't do enough research. It, they're just looking for the research and the, the literature on farming and suicide, farming and mental health is really hard to find. And that was just driving me crazy. And I'm like, well, there's something needs to be done. So I started researching and writing about it. And basically it didn't end up being um, part of like um, my thesis that it was because um, that switched into the business end of it because I was using okay. my business background. But it really opened my eyes to like what Joe, what you're saying is how important it is to reduce the stigma. And one of the ways is that we are doing right now to reduce the stigma is to talk about it. Right. Sim simple conversations. Simple conversations are powerful. Well, and I think, you know, that's one of the biggest things and we, we've mentioned it a bunch is you know, when I was in the cho in the shop that night, you know, when I, I had a drink and I was like, you know what, I'm going to make a video about how better I, how much better I feel. And I'm just going to post the fucking thing and I'm going to walk away from the phone because I know that I don't have the balls to not take it back down. Mm -hmm. Like I knew I didn't. I, and I was like, and I literally, my phone maybe had like 7% battery left on it. I posted the video and I worked on my chopper for like three more hours. And I just was like, and I came in and I plugged the phone in and I just checked it and it had like 40,000 views. And I'm like, oh shit, that one's going to be real in the morning. And that's one of my favorite things about TikTok is... I'm kind of all over the place about my TikToks. I mean, I do TikTok. It's not about all farming. It's about hunting, everything. But, like, I love when you know you did something right. That's like a score for me. When you put post a video and five minutes later there's 6,000 views on it, right. you're like, oh, that'll be interesting it's tomorrow. It's tapping into the emotions of people. When we hit that emotion button on anybody, mm -hmm. you know, it's mm -hmm. like... I also call it a bit of the Me Too effect, where mm -hmm. you're like, yeah, Me Too. Somebody's actually talking about this. Right. People so just want to uh, feel like they're not mm -hmm. alone. So the, yeah. to piggyback yes. on the Me Too thing, they're like, oh, he feels that too. Like, I felt it, but I thought I was the only one. Or I'm he's brave alone. enough to say yeah. it. Like, I agree. Like, I'm just going to mm -hmm. kind of tuck myself in here in the waves to, mm -hmm. like, you mm -hmm. know. So, and with that being said... I think we were blown away, you and you and I, about how every other farmer is struggling with the succession planning. Like I think we knew there was people struggling, but not not like we found out. Mm -hmm. I agree. Once we started talking about it, and that really and, says something because, like Catherine had said, the farming community in itself is a culture. We are very included and immersed in that community and mm -hmm. culture, and we still had not an idea mm -hmm. how really deeply seated the yeah, but that's boomer shit, mental health problems were, like, but also the success. Very planning. boomer shit. Very boomer shit. That's boomer shit, man. Like you're, you know, one of the farmers who I greatly respect. He's like a all ogres have layers type guy. I've seen both of his layers. Like he he. He's an asshole to the public, but if you actually talk to him, he's a really good dude. Um, but anyways, uh, he always, like when I work for him... Oh, I just got your reference. I think you meant onions have layers from Shrek. Is that what you're yeah, talking ogres about? ogres have layers. Oh, okay. like oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, got it. <laughs> but anyways, I remember working there, and he was like, you know, if something happened, like a truck broke or tipped over, 
He's, you don't fucking pull that phone out. Nobody knows we had a problem here. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the first time something fucks up at Yankee Beef, man, I'm like, this is an opportunity. The, the world is going to enjoy this. And, you know, once we, you know, and I'm, I will never say just us, but, like, we are very much like every farm has yeah. fuck-ups. Every family has problems. I'm talking about letting go of the shame. Yeah, there's the no shame. shame. Yeah. yeah, it's that's the difference between like how open you are to being judged. Yep, and uh, this woman, she's on TikTok, and I know none of you follow her for, I don't know why, I swear to God, TikTok hides her. It's the Farm Family Coach. Oh, yeah, the lady she's from Canada. lady from Canada. She's this, I don't want to say old because that seems rude, but she's an older lady. She She's like, she's like I just want to hug her. Yeah, like, she, she makes these so videos about nice. like, why, and it, clearly, succession planning is a problem in Canada. She's as working well. very hard with agriculture in Canada, trying very to address hard. succession planning issues and problems. She's and one of my. You're right. Uh, her following is not nearly as big as it like, should be. I visit her page probably twice a week just to see if she's yeah. gaining any. And it's like she she gains like two followers a week, and this woman should gain five thousand a week because her 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 like take on it not only applies to farms but all small businesses and all businesses. And I think that the, the one of the biggest things that everybody forgets is that farms are businesses. Mm-hmm. They're not just a farm. They're a business. And a community doesn't have to just be in your backyard. So you're reaching across in Canada. Farm talk. Taking the community and bringing it closer mm-hmm. together so we can have these conversations. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's where we hang out is farm talk. Yeah. I really like what you said there, there Catherine, is, is the, the Me Too thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, so many people are living the same fucking life. Yes. And, and to go back to the to the resentment thing, you lived all day. You told me, like, you spent all day mad and resenting everyone. Mm-hmm. And, like, I can remember, like, spending whole days in the woods, and I should be in my peaceful place. Being pissed off. Being pissed angry, off yeah. and mad yeah. and angry. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to speak to that because I know that probably 97% of the people that have messaged me live their life mad and pissed off and highly isolated and highly isolated with it and you know biggest changes this year for me i've found since our and we should still get together i've been so busy i haven't had time to even just come and have (laughs) and now i like so now now you know she's not only someone i bounce ideas off of so this is i want to like touch on this like now it's become a relationship mm-hmm. with someone who I truly appreciate, who has a reflection on my business. I can bounce ideas off. It's not counseling is not talking as for my part of it, and I'm sure some others for your part it is, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily talking you off the ledge of suicide. Now it's become a whole other human being who has no idea about the other folks I'm talking about. And can give you an honest, you're being an asshole, cut that shit out. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it is now. Now it's like, do you really think that was the right way to approach that? Yeah. Or, you know, now, like I said, it, it's completely changed gears from now I, I have a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And now I have someone to talk about about that perspective. A lot of what we think is that it's, it's uh, going to counseling is pathologizing, meaning that there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And, okay, here's, this is your disorder. And one of the things, uh, again, about being in private practice is we don't have to give you a disorder. It doesn't help. And what we're doing is we find your strengths. It's very educational, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun because you're learning about things, just like you're talking about all the things that you're learning about. So it's more of a, 
a support and a strengths building and building off your strengths and what you're doing right mm -hmm. and applying that into other areas of your life. Yep. And people come into the office for the first time and they're dreading it or their their anxiety Terrified, is so yeah. high. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's what they think is you know, now I'm gonna realize, you know, how much of a total mess up I really am. And yeah, it just not, isn't that way no. because what we're looking for is is your gifts, your strengths. Right, you're not looking to point out and address flaws mm -hmm. and make well, someone you know, we, leave feeling. We let you see what you want to change. I'm not. We don't tell you how to change. We just kind of like, like I uh, just point out what's going on and then what is it that you want. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of autonomy in this. It's not what we call agenda-driven, meaning it's not my agenda on mm -hmm. your life. Mm -hmm. It's like, what is it that you want? What do you want to work on? What do you need? Mm -hmm. And then can we work together? And it is, it is emotional. It is yeah. tapping into those feelings that, you know, that... A lot of the anger that we're, we're dealing with is covering up the real emotions, which is fear and pain, mm -hmm. emotional pain. And those are the things that we kind of, kind of stop avoiding and, and kind of take a deep look at. I think one of the biggest things that helped me uh, with the process was when you said something to me, it wasn't said to me out of disappointment. Mm-mm. Like, and, and I want to just rephrase on that. If my dad or my mom gave me the same advice you gave me, it'd mm -hmm. piss me off. It would, it would have pissed me or off. Or hurt your feelings. Or hurt my feelings, where right. now you have this neutral body mm -hmm. who allows to give an assessment on you like, and say, hey... This is this is this is what I take away from that situation, and it, there was no emotion. Yeah. There was no emotion like you're bad, right. you're Your good, you're wrong, by. you're right. It's a judgment-free zone. There's, <laughs> exactly. there's no uh, in the judgment-free zone. There's no shaming. Right. You're right. Shaming That's yourself. the word. Yeah, shame. You're there shaming was... yourself. Yeah. You're shaming me. That I'm not. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm no good. Or we're guilting ourselves, like, well, you know, I feel so guilty, or for whatever you're doing, especially setting boundaries. One of the most difficult things about setting boundaries is feeling guilty, mm -hmm. you know, because we're telling somebody no, or we're standing up for ourselves. So we, we you know, in, in, a, in a safe environment, those things don't come into play. Right, right. It was a game changer, you know, and that was, you know, one of the most freeing feelings when I walked out that day, which by the way, an hour is seven minutes. And, mm. you know, and, and I want to reflect on that too. Like I would come down there, number one, the, the best part that there was, there was great parts of the whole thing. I had a half an hour truck ride or 40 minute truck ride of all alone. And to, to, go there. to go there, I, up until then, when did I leave the farm? Never, never, you know, and I would go there and then I would, and then you know, if you ever notice, when you're enjoying something, doesn't it go by really quickly? Oh, yeah. Very well, nice. now it's like I, I go in there and you think this hour drags on and like, bam, you're like, all right, I got to get going, you know, and it's like, you know, I'm like walking out the door and the next person's walking in because we're like over by two minutes, you know, mm -hmm. or something like that. And and then, then I had a whole 45-minute ride home. To marinate. <clears throat> and oftentimes... Yeah. You know, I can't even remember when I really started seeing it. I don't remember what month it was, but oftentimes I would go after and I would go have like a, a dinner or a snack and I would, I always bought you flowers every so, time. Yeah. You know, I would go get myself, go to Wegmans and I would do the little buffet thing at Wegmans so and I'd buy you flowers and I'd come home. 
And I did that every week for a year. I, I only canceled on you, what, twice in that whole time? It was like, no, fuck that. I'm going, like, I don't, the whole fucking farm can be on fire. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I'm going because I needed it. Yeah, I remember when I was texting you originally, like, about getting him an appointment. We were trying to pick a time. And he's like, I don't know, like, when I can just, like, I don't know how to commit to this. Like, what if something's going on, whatever. And I just remember, like, being like, you're going. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what's going on. We're picking a, a time and we're just going to make it work. Like that was, I think, a big leap in part of the process was really committing yeah. to not missing it. Mm -hmm. Now, here, here's a whole other bag of worms about it. I have talked to some farmer friends who have went to a counselor and they suck. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that a family member of mine went to the, I guess you'd call it the clinic style. Yeah. And she was like, these people are like, like just, they're like tree stumps. Like they're, they don't, they don't, that is a thing that the perception of mental health sucks. Sometimes it does, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, you have a. Giving them some credit mm -hmm. is clinics are run by insurance companies. Sure. So they have certain types of interventions that they're allowed to use and certain things that they can't really like connect more on a, on a deeper level. Mm -hmm. uh, training has a lot to do with it. Education has a lot to do with it. Um, so really researching the background of, of who you're working with is very important. But again, also really coming back to the part is really understanding who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. That's very important. I wouldn't be appropriate for working with people that lived in an inner city environment. Right. You know, because I just, it, it's foreign to me. Yeah. Right. And I think it's a lot like, kind of like dating, right? You have to find someone that's a good, suitable match for you, mm -hmm. compatible, they feel comfortable with and understands your experiences. Yeah. So it is a little bit, I mean, we got lucky, I think. I think yeah. it's a little oh, bit yeah. foolish to expect that your first no. try or yeah. your first person is the perfect person for you. Mm -hmm. um, well, or asking people too, yeah. right? such as, you know, who, you know, especially this is, yeah. is, you know, you talk to somebody and when they say, I love my counselor, you know, or my therapist, meaning the same thing, but then ask people, you know, if, right. you, if you don't live near us, you know, and, and the other thing is there's, uh, we're not just in person, people in my community, in our community really prefer to be in person, but mm -hmm. there's some people that, that see me that, our farther like central New York area. And so it's great that we can reach out with uh, Zoom online mm -hmm. counseling also. Right. Mm -hmm. But ask, ask around. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think so, that's why we got lucky was I, you were referred to us by a friend of well, mine. Well, that's kind of funny because you do group counseling as well. Yeah, right? I have I have a group, yeah. Well, so, so and our friend, yeah. um, she knew that she saw. Yeah, she, oh, has, okay. she has talked about her sessions before um when we ride and so it had just kind of come up and yeah and but then i had mentioned that i was kind of looking for someone and she's like well she's like my counselor kind of scares me but <laughs> that might be good for joe <laughs> and she's you know i mean you obviously know her she has a fairly meek yeah. personality you know and, and i mean again this is like you said all like kind of dating you know and i mean sherlock to become i mean i like to say Catherine, you and i have kind of the same aggressiveness yep. and, and have the same sort of mentality work ethics work ethics yeah. and drive and yep. will not say no to you know or yep. you know will not take no for an answer mm -hmm. and uh, one of the other things too and it just shit pops in my head but 
you know, when I had last met you, I think it was around this time we were talking and you were asked like how things were going and I'm like, we're fucking broke right now. Like it sucks. And she, you were just like, yeah, but that's running a business. And it was like, oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, it kind of left with a sense like we all are broke. Right. I'm not a failure. We're, there is times <laughs> where we're all as business owners, we're all broke at one time yeah. or another. And there's also times and get into this part Catherine. i mean you've always talked to me what what are farmers what are we you always tell me what are we gamblers oh yeah you know you've always that's you you know and and you've talked to me about addiction yeah. it's a fucking addiction it's a risk and the highs are really high i can't take credit for this there's a a friend of mine that used to work uh, for my husband when mm -hmm. he was a teenager and now he's a grown man and mm -hmm. running his own farm. Mm -hmm. And it was, he, he just came up with a f philosophy. This is just like the, the highs in gambling, the highs of the winds are so big. And then the lows are really low, you know? And so what we're trying to do is mm -hmm. kind of reduce the gap between mm -hmm. the highs and the lows, but yeah, you're gonna hit those lows. Now, how you deal with that, if it's failure, like what you're saying, Erica, is that um, then we're defeated rather mm -hmm. than saying, okay, I can learn and grow or I can shut down. Mm -hmm. Those are the choices you have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. And it's funny because he's actually not a patient of yours and no. he's actually a friend of mine. He's, he's a, a mutual friend. friend. Yeah. Um, I'll just tell a quick story about him. Uh, when you talk to him in a regular conversation, like okay. right now, he stutters horrifically. You get a 30-pack in that guy, he can talk like Daffy Duck. Just rattle it right out. And uh, his um, He's got some great philosophy. Oh my god, he's hilarious. History, he's yeah. one of my one of my favorite people I never see. He'd be fun. You never see that. Uh, he would be. I'll just nod like I know who you're talking about. <laughs> um, a lot of people in my community know. We'll we'll figure it out. That's he, okay. he, uh, it's not important. Yeah. But it's so funny because he his like one of his philosophies were if you can't get drunk, drunk twice in one day unless you start in the morning. Not, you can't drink all day unless you start in the morning. You can't get drunk twice in one day. So we would go to Bowling Green to the tractor pole, and the man would literally get intoxicated in the, on the way there, be completely sober by lunch, and at dinner time be drunk again. Like, and I mean, he's by no means an alcoholic or anything. It was just funny because his idea of how cool it was to be drunk, sober and drunk, like he figured he got two for one that day, oh, you wow. know, like he would just, he's so funny. It's all about you know? perspective, right? Yeah. And uh, I see him and I see him at the fair or whatever and we have wonderful conversations, but you know, talk about a guy, there's a philosophy about mm -hmm. this addiction. For example, we're like probably as poor as we get, usually this time of year, this we're pretty, course, yeah. and, and I know people don't like when I, we say poor, it's just what we mean by like, we don't have any funds right now. Mm -hmm. Things are tight. And we're literally talking about buying a lake house yesterday. Like, Just because it's something we want to do something. And, and like, there's a part of the business where there's that gamble. There's that addiction. There's that got to drive and, it, got to push it. And it's not like a lot of startup businesses like mine when I'm getting residents starting up in the business. The risk is up front. And right. it's, it's really quick. It's like there's like up to a six-month risk, and it's not a lot of money in like, like a restaurant where there's mm -hmm. a couple of years. But with farming, it's like that all the time. Mm -hmm. It's things that are out of our control. All the we time. Don't, and, and the regular public doesn't understand this, that it, it isn't just our poor decisions, but it's the weather. We don't have well, any control yeah. over the weather. We don't have control over the global economy and how that's affecting us. Mm -hmm. And everything else that's going on in, in the farming world, especially with having 
so much responsibility compared to what our grandfathers and great-grandfathers were doing. Yeah, and I feel like as someone that came from sort of out of ag, like myself, like I have a business degree, I grew up like showing cows but not living on a farm, so like kind of involved but maybe on the outer ring, I guess. That was kind of my takeaway on a previous episode we had talked about why farming is so stressful because people who aren't in it don't understand, and like Mm -hmm. that was my contribution was like, there's so many things out of our control that yes. we're just supposed to adapt to and move on. Like mm-hmm. pat on the head and keep going when it's something that's completely out of our hands. And even though we have no control over it, it 100% impacts our daily life. And it consumes us, you know, or we try to not let it consume us. But for the perfect example, I mean, I was I was high as a mountain come July when I hit all these huge bean contracts, huge money contracts, and then the crop took a shit on me. And it was like... You know, I was super like, holy shit, I was supposed to have some extra money this year because I hit all this stuff right. And then the carpet got pulled out from underneath mm-hmm. me. And But then I look back like, now because I look at things in somewhat a positive light, now I look back like, if I wouldn't have had them huge contracts, if I wouldn't have had, you know, if I wouldn't have, we would be $50,000 shy of where we, where we are now. You know I mean, we'd have been in real trouble. So, you know, I think that, Farmers often look at the the negative and and live there. They they stay there. Like I made a TikTok. Uh, we went to Aruba and I won a thousand dollars. I put a hundred dollars in the machine. I lost fifty, and then a whole bunch of lights lit up and things happened. <laughs> and I'm like, what an actual fuck is going on here? Because I was kind of concerned. It was like when you're in a, like you got your farmers know when you're in like a chopper or a baler and all the lights start blinking. You're like, oh, I'm so fucked. But I actually won a thousand dollars. And you know what? I just pulled the money out of the machine, and I'm like, fuck that. I ain't doing nothing. I ain't even... And, like, gambling, mm-hmm. in that sense, was so much easier than farming. Like, oh, yeah. I controlled how many times I hit that button. I controlled how many times, yeah. you know, and, and we were... We did kind of, because me and her crazy analytical, we found this machine that we figured out how to win on. Like, we figured out how to... We were kind of studying the patterns of it as I was playing it and watching. Like, there's, like, graphics on it that kind of help you manipulate, like, when you're getting close to a jackpot. And, like, all we were kind of just... And there was a row of, like, six of them in a row. So we were watching all six of them trying to figure out, like, any kind of pattern. Because it's who we are. I mean, I'm not saying we're by any means, like, some card counters (laughs) or some shit. But, like, what my point (laughs) is is that gambling versus agriculture... Yeah. The gambling was easier. Because I could stop hitting that button anytime. Right. You go ahead and stop farming and see how you pan out. It, to kind of follow along with that, a lot of conversations that I do have with farmers, the, and a lot of the farmers are the owners of the farms, and so the responsibilities that they have, the pressure isn't just on running the business. Because if you know, if I lose my business or somebody loses their their you know their shop or something like that, it's just a loss, and you walk and you learn from it. But their biggest one of the biggest things they talk about is is dishonor. So dishonoring the many many generations. Now you may have no nobody before you, but there's several a lot of farmers in our community. Like I said, my husband was a fifth generation mm-hmm. dairy farmer. And so if you lose, you're not only losing for you and your immediate family, but then your sons are working, your mm-hmm. grandkids are coming along, mm-hmm. and you're the legacy on both mm-hmm. sides. So people don't understand that kind of pressure, pressure that we carry 
And we carry it like in our soul mm-hmm. internally, yeah. right? Because yeah. it's not really a tangible thing. Yeah. You can't like right. reach it's out so, and touch it, but you can feel it. Like yes. there, that would be more of a catalyst of mm-hmm. the disappointment mm-hmm. and dishonoring, and and like or being, you know, where you completely mess it up and and destroyed it for everybody. Mm-hmm. These thoughts are going through this head. So would that be more of a catalyst for considering suicide? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, over that's probably why that farming is the one of the highest rates of suicide. Oh, it's absolutely, absolutely. It, it is. The statistics aren't quite accurate and they're outdated, but right now that's what we're seeing. If yeah. I had to guess, being a farmer, being a I'm fourth generation, JJ being the fifth, and Jay will never get that hate put on him. Like, mm-hmm. if they want it, it'll be theirs. If they don't. I'm getting the fuck out of here yeah. like next week. The faster somebody tells me they don't want to own that farm, the faster I'm going to yeah. Florida or the, you know, or I'm going to live my life in a different and I'm not and not as to say I'm not living my life now. I'm saying that I have a lot of It'll dreams. Just be a different chapter, yeah. I have a lot of dreams and my dreams do not include being a crunched up farmer who can't move his hands, legs and feet when they're in their 50s. When they're in their 50s. Yeah. So with that being said, I would like to make an assumption here, and I'll bet you if, if there ever did st- the statistics on it, I'd be right, but I'll bet you that 99% of farm suicides are because of what we just talked about, mm-hmm. because of the generational guilt. And the isolation factor. Right. That's yeah, another that was statistic. an important thing you brought yeah. up before was, you know, it's one thing if you're dealing with emotion and whatever, pressures, guilt fear and you're surrounded by a group of supportive people who mm-hmm. care for you but it's different when you feel alone mm-hmm. and even when you have caring people surrounding mm-hmm. you they may not understand what you're going through mm-hmm. uh we don't know how to express it properly which is okay or verbalize it uh, yeah sure. exactly and so then that isolation isn't just being in a solitary like sitting in the track yeah. all day right. or, or but it's also isolation just in our own thoughts. Yes, because you can feel alone in a crowded room. Yes. It has nothing to do and with the population. And then those thoughts get really negative, and we're not really aware of how cruel we are to ourselves. Right. The term would be self-deprecating. And we use language, uh, pay attention to the language that you use against yourself, like, oh, my God, I'm so stupid, or... The other one that's really important that I see a lot of is the tone. And you say, oh, my God, and they, you roll your head back. And that's just, if I did that to you and I was like, oh, my God, what's wrong with you? You wouldn't see me. We wouldn't be friends. Right. But, but you, you do, do that to yourself. Yeah. And then the third one that's really important, and this is just, uh, you know, how we hurt ourselves, is the behaviors that we do. So, like, if you drink way too much and you're sick for three days that's not treating yourself very kindly being angry all the time and not working on that that's not being kind to yourself like isolating is in, in not sharing and, and helping yourself with these emotional issues so a lot of it is is just looking at ways how what what would it be like if i was nicer to myself you know and the other thing that happens is when we're really putting ourselves down is it takes our self-confidence right out the door and then we're living kind of a fear-based life. So if you want to have some really uh, self-confidence, authentic power, you know, and be really proud of who you are and what you're doing and what, what you represent in our community, 
is to really start with being kinder to yourself. Mm -hmm. And you just don't realize until you really start observing and paying attention to those behaviors of how hard you are on yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessary. Life is hard enough. Right. We have suffering. Farmers have more suffering because you just put your seed out in the rain for two weeks straight, you know? Mm -hmm. And so now we're adding more suffering on top of what we're already doing. That doesn't make sense. For our to own me. selves. Yeah, yeah, for our own selves. Don't add add suffering to the difficult times. As to speak to that, because I kind of feel like we're in a situation here where you're telling us the counselor's point of view and I'm the farmer that can verify it. Mm -hmm. And you're the farmer's wife who can verify you know, so I feel like this this needs to be looked at like that. Like this is this is you telling us something that every one of farmers, like myself, and I felt it and understand it. Right. And with that being said, like I was really hard on myself. My thing is, is I hold myself to a much higher standard than I hold other people to, mm -hmm. like as a human. And I don't think that's a bad quality. But what I noticed that changed once I learned all these things is I quit being so hard on myself, which quit making me want her to validate me mm. that much more. You know, I'd be like, I want you to yell to the rooftops how good I am because I won't right. tell myself how good I am. Exactly. And, and yeah. that's one thing, you know, and I, I mean, I'm not to say that, you know, as a husband, I don't enjoy it. I enjoy when she says my husband's strong and, you know, and, and you know, handsome and, and amazing and absolutely Brilliant. wonderful. Yeah. But, but the thing about validation is if you don't have self-validation, it doesn't, it doesn't mean as land. Much. Mm -hmm. So, yes, we need that external validation, yeah. especially from our loved ones. It's mm -hmm. very important, you know, mm -hmm. to, to check in with each other once in a while. You know, when is the last time you said, hey, you know, honey, I really appreciate you. Mm -hmm. You know, just out of the blue and for no reason, you know, I just appreciate having you in my life. But to when people get addicted to external validation, which people do, mm -hmm. they chase it, is mm -hmm. because it's like a drug. It doesn't land. So the internal validation, mean, being, being kinder to yourself, like, hey, I'm doing the best I can. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm doing a good job here. And... Um, then it'll land and, and it's very, it, it, it has more significance because if someone, a lot of times someone will give you a compliment and you'll look at people and they go like this. Right. Yeah. They immediately right. deflect. They yeah. immediately deflect. And that's, again, not being, you know, honest with yourself that that's, that's a genuine compliment. Yeah. Let and it land. actually, that is yeah. a skill that you need to develop is accepting compliments. Yeah. Though. When someone gives you a compliment, the best thing to do, even if you don't believe it or agree with it, is, uh, you know, say, oh, no. That's almost can be insulting the person that's giving the compliment. Right, like especially, I don't believe you. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But what you're doing is is the it's really hard to do because I had to practice this myself is to say thank you. Thank you. Smile. Even though and say your, thank your you. body's yeah. just like trying to reject yes, it. It's almost like a nauseating yeah. feeling. It's when you say yeah. thank you, like I think it's from the movie Mean Girls. They're like, oh, so you agree? Like I say something nice to you and you say thank you and then I'm like, oh, so you agree with what I said? Like, are you selfish, conceited? Like, oh, you think that about yourself? Like, there is that train of thought that is, yeah. although. But you're quite saying wild. thank you to the person. Like, if you're, if you're, if your child, your your little boy came up and said, gave you a gift, you wouldn't say, oh no, you shouldn't have. Right. You know, right. Then, then you'd crush it because right. it's more about the thank you is more about honoring the giver. Mm -hmm. It's not about the receiving yeah. of it so much. It's that, you know, I really appreciate, thank you for noticing me. But watch people's body language. When you give them a compliment, they will actually 
go like this. Okay. And it's like <laughs> physically they, they veer away. Physically move away or they'll pull back somehow. Watch that. And well, what I've noticed too is that in the farming community, um, you'll be like, wow, that's really awesome. I'm glad we were able to buy that property or I'm really glad that's a nice tractor you have mm -hmm. there. And these people are like, what in the fuck They is like that? physically recoil. Because that's yeah. so shit, man. Not like, they are not used to that. We are so used to being cruel to ourselves. Yeah. Maybe criticized. Criticizing yeah. ourselves. <laughs> maybe we've been criticized, you know, in some point in our life. But we're so used to it, we don't hear it. And that's what I'm asking people to do is, you know, just really tune in and observe how you talk to yourself and say, you know, people will say, well, what do I do differently? And say, well, what would it be like if I was kind to myself? So imagine you're talking to your best friend. What would you say to them if they were having a hard time? Mm -hmm. You know, you wouldn't call them stupid and useless and, you know, you would be kind and considerate. So the same language that you use with your best friends and your loved ones and you support them when they're not doing well, we need to really kind of be our own best friend in that way. And, and especially from the farmer standpoint, because you're isolated all day all long. All day long. You know, and, and those and thoughts can really man, get you know, out. I mean, for me, it's a negative you know, loop. And I'm sure in, a, in, a, in, in all of us we're the same. And this is one thing that farmers do a lot is like, well, he's got it easier because he's, he doesn't have cows to milk or mm -hmm. he's got it easier because he's a crop farmer. And it's like, I think we don't, as farmers, do not understand or validate each other's struggles. And I think that if you're farming today, you're busy. So many times at auctions or whatever, be like, oh, he, he's on vacation or he didn't have to, or he don't got to milk cows every day. So it's easier for him to do this and yeah. that. And it's like, if I'm making a living farming, I'm working my ass off. Oh, sure. And if you're making a living farming, you're working right. your Regardless ass off. Regardless of the details So why don't we fucking cut the shit and be like, oh, they're working really fucking hard over there to do what they're doing. You know, I mean, it's, it's you know, but we, as farmers, the generation before us, and I wanted to end with this generation, is we do not validate each other's progress. Mm -hmm. And for me, this is one thing we talked about, too, from a financial standpoint is, you know, we've had some people try to rent some ground away from us and whatever, and it's like, you want to fuck the profit out of it, go ahead. If you got to have that ground so bad so you can farm another 100 acres. And essentially do it for free. So you can make another $85 an acre profit. If you have to have it so bad so you'll rent it away from me, great the fuck out, asshole, I don't care. But before, it's like you see these guys like just land sharking each other and beating each other up over all this land, and it's like... When the fuck did you decide you didn't want to go pull in your neighbor's driveway and have them hate you? Yeah. Like, what is that worth it, to you? It's a, another way of self-destruction because yeah. it's envy. Yeah. And envy is, we use the term jealousy a lot, but, but the term is really envy because mm -hmm. we, an envy of somebody else is based in comparison. And we really can't compare ourselves that directly to other people because everyone has their own internal struggles. They have mm -hmm. their own financial struggles. We don't know. Mm -hmm. We don't know that somebody might be in your family being mm -hmm. really sick or suffering, mm -hmm. or we just don't know what's going on mm -hmm. with people. So we're, we're kind of bringing in this judgment by comparison from our standards of how we see things mm -hmm. rather than putting, can I, if I put that aside and I become more empathic and open and, and learn more about you, yeah. I'm going to be really surprised that maybe you are making a lot of money, but I don't really realize what, what's going on. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I or don't know. Taking. And what it's taking and what, what losses you have mm-hmm. in, in the process because, mm-hmm. again, it comes back to that risk. So for only seeing it from our perspective, then we're not connecting as a community. No. Yeah. No. I think the in the community it's gotten better, but for me it's like I would rather we all stand around and laugh and be on each other's team, you know, as farmers. Like, that's one of the things that I hate about the farming community is that we're not on each other's team. Mm-hmm. This, the perfect example of this is I will never tear apart a grass-fed farmer or a organic farmer or whatever. If that is, you know, like for us, like if you would like to purchase grass-fed beef, I, I, I would like for you to do that. I'm not here to tell you that it's bad or dumb or, or organic milk. I'm not here to tell you it's, if that's what you want. But I'm not going to throw another farmer under the bus to make my product better. Mm-hmm. And that is a mentality that needs gone. It is. That's very common right now, especially, and I feel like it comes from the smaller operations. Yes. At that age, in their infancy of their business, they don't know how to stand on their own product values to differentiate themselves. Mm-hmm. So they're using, you know, they're throwing stones to tear other people down to make their stuff look better. One of the, and we've all done it at some point, but like you mature out of that stage mm-hmm. at some point. I one think. of the common things is like the, say your grass fed beef farmer, his his selling point is that mine's bad for, for you. My beef isn't good for you. Mm-hmm. Like that's his selling point. And I think from a mental health growth thing, we have become, you need to sell yourself on what your, why yours is quality, not why theirs is bad. Right. You know, that's, that's a huge part of this whole thing. Okay, so we've successfully made everyone listening realize they're not alone in their struggles. Yeah. So let's move forward to how we can help or what needs to happen down the road. I think, I think that you guys are doing such a great thing, just starting to, you know, get out there and talk about things and learn really what's important, you know, getting some comments from people I think is really important to see what, what their ideas and what, you know, how can we keep this conversation going? What can we do? How can we connect mm-hmm. to really start to support ourselves? Because it's, it's really difficult that people outside of the farming community just don't understand that their food just doesn't come from the grocery store and right. what, what come what all the work and everything that goes in behind it. So if we can speak our own language and connect with each other, I think that would be a great start. Yeah, so you know? let's take the nervousness out of contributing to us party people out there. Comments are welcome, messages are welcome, follow us on our socials, you can swipe up in the stories, leave your feedback, all of that stuff. We are completely open ears on where to drive this podcast bus through 2024 so we would definitely want your feedback uh well uh, maybe if there's some younger people that are you know from the farming community that want to go into the mental health field you know you can connect with me because you know i do a lot of mentoring mm-hmm. i i'm a supervisor for people you know because we really good counselors that's one thing if you're vetting counselors just to see if they are have supervisors that's mm-hmm. part of our profession that means we talk to someone that is much wiser and very well um, versed in what we do. And so I'm a mentor for people and I would love to get young people or any age people, because I mean, I was in my late 40s when I back, went back to school, so age really isn't relevant, that want to get into this profession. It's a great job. It's, it's one of these jobs that because uh, it's not a clinic and we can 
manage your hours, the burnout is limited, is, is, and, and you know, you can make a decent living mm -hmm. at it, to, you know, um, you know, and still work on the farm. Mm -hmm. If you want to be on the farm, you can kind of work part-time on the farm and work mm -hmm. part-time in this business. So that would be wonderful is to bring more people from with it's your background is what we're really looking for and Absolutely. then the passion. But it's how often do you get to in our community is where we love what we do. Right. And you can only teach so much. Some of that inherently has to come from lived experience, which is why right. drawing out of the egg community for future counselors. So a lot of my right. counselors that are my supervisees in the residence, um, what they get to do is they get to to use their background, you know, which is not similar to mine, which is really exciting. I have people that work in family therapy, they work with young children. Mm -hmm. And so that's what they thrive in from their, their work. Um, and so that really is unfortunate. It's really difficult to run a business in a rural community. Unfortunately, luckily mine is, you know, Geneseo, if you're familiar with it, is, is not that small, but people are coming from other counties, you know, over an hour away or they're doing some online stuff which, which helps keep it going but even in the um academic world that i came from they don't even acknowledge it you know they don't even see that that we are having a problem and so a lot more um, of my my peers that were doing their dissertations were starting to write more about um, rural community mm -hmm. But also uh, understand that rural community and farming is not exactly the same thing. True. A farming no. community is part of the rural community, but not all rural people understand the community. Right, not farming. usually. It's not. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's the thing that maybe we can start promoting that yeah. a little bit. And yep. for, for people that want to go and study this, it is, it is a, you know, you can just get a master's degree and that's wonderful. So... With that being said, I, I want to speak to that, that the farming community and the, and the rural community is, is way different. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and then you add a new aspect to it, which is small business owners or business owners who are now farmers. And that's one of my biggest things that I love so very much about farm talk. And what we have to realize now, everyone, is that we are no longer, there's a third of us there was 10 years ago third less and there's half of us 20 years ago mm -hmm. you know so now we're connecting via social media to a farmer in wisconsin and a farmer in minnesota and a far because there's not your next door neighbor anymore we're, we're so few and far between anymore you know and what i what i think that we need to do is one of the my takeaway from everything is what what neighbors you do have or what friends you do have be positive to them and once you do that, like I talk about the auction setting, but that's kind of gone because there's not many of them anymore. But like how many times I've been at a grower meeting and somebody's like, well, I see you're on vacation again. You know, that must be, you know, the must be nice thing or whatever. Like, oh, I see you, you know, I see you didn't have, you know, I see your truck parked at home yesterday. You weren't doing nothing, you know, and it's like. What have you just said? How are things going on the farm? How are the cows milking? How are the how how do the trees run? I hope you have a good year. You know, uh, hey, this corn variety didn't work really good for me. You know, what did you find really worked good for you? And what we all have to realize is we're not really competing with each other anymore. 
No. You know, we're really, it's, that's really gone if you You're think about it. You're asking to set that ego aside. And, yeah. And, and that's a distancing mechanism. And, and what you're asking people is instead of distancing with what we're saying to each other mm-hmm. through, the, for, through mm-hmm. an ego, is to be more connecting. Use yeah. a language that connects us. Yeah, the amount of people who have told me, did you hear so-and-so is, you know, he's going to start retailing beef. And I'm like, no, I didn't, but I hope it works out for him. And they're like, what do you mean? They're going to they're gonna kill your business. And I'm like, if you think there's not enough customers in the world that I, I'm worried about them, they're not going to steal my customers. They go get their own customers. You know, I mean, we're, we're not, and, and then in the open market, if you will, it is not going to hurt your business if your neighbor grows 190 bushel corn. It is not going to hurt your business if your cows make 80 pounds or you make more syrup. We're competing in an open mar- open market we no longer control. So we're switching from a fear-based community, Correct. fear-based reactions. Yes. And aren't you worried about this? Look what this guy is doing. That's coming from a place of fear, mm-hmm. rather than which is a distancing thing, mm-hmm. rather than coming from a place of connectedness. Mm-hmm. Well, good for him. Maybe you know if he mm-hmm. has any questions, have him give me yeah. a call or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and I think the catalyst for this change starts small. So it's it's a grassroots mm-hmm. type effort. Which and mm-hmm. what I mean by that, listeners, is that it starts with you. You reflect on your behavior and your verbiage and the things that you say and the way that you talk to yourself address that first and then when you're out in the world try you know, it try it you have to you have to change your conversations that you're having with people i mean we have one neighbor who all he knows how to do is insult and he doesn't even mean it hatefully but it's the only way he knows how to communicate but one of the things is if you're on the receiving end of that, it's 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 really hard to like internalize this because I've been working on it for years. It has nothing to do with me. Right. If right. you're insulting yeah. me, it has nothing to do with me. Right. It's your fears. Jealous. It's what's going. It's envy. It's jealousy. Yeah. It's what's going on inside. It's our own fear. It's our own pain. Mm-hmm. That's coming out onto you because yes. I don't want to deal with it. So if I if I make you feel like what you were saying, you know, I put you down or make you feel less than, then I feel better based on that. Right. So when you do are on the receiving end of those insults, you just it, it's really stop, take that pause, rather than react mm-hmm. to it. You respond to it even in your own head. So it has nothing to do with me, mm-hmm. isn't that? I'm I'm so I feel yeah. I almost have compassion for that person. Mm-hmm. Because that dark stuff lives inside them. Right, they don't not, know how to connect. And it's against themselves more than it is against us. It just seems to, when they open their mouth, and then it's mm-hmm. distancing. Because the sad thing is, we want to get to know you. We want to be part of your community, but you're not going to let us in. Right, yeah. I agree. So one of the things to speak to that is, one thing that I've found that is incredibly fun and scary to other farmers is... My transparency, our transparency, our full disclosure farming. Like, it's you want to know how much? You want to know how much my mortgage payment is? Just ask me. Yeah. You want to know what I owe on the farm? You want to know how much money I made? You want to know how many acres I own? I don't care. If you feel the need to use my information against me, yeah. then you're a shitty person. But it takes really like a you. lot of strength to let go of the fear mm-hmm. and to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Again, being yeah. vulnerable is, is there are ways <coughs> that it can be unsafe to be vulnerable. Right. You know? 
So it isn't about just free, free for all being vulnerable, but you're being vulnerable. And what people don't understand is that they think they're strong when they shut down and don't talk about things. But vulnerability takes more strength than mm-hmm. you can possibly know. I mean, this isn't my work. This is, I mean, if you guys are fans of Brene Brown, she talks, this is all of her research. She's a great researcher right. in Texas. And she talks about this, and especially with men. And so what you're doing, both of you, are you're actually being vulnerable. And there are more people that are listening and just really enjoying and absorbing what you're saying in silence. Mm-hmm. It's the people that fear are the ones who are who come up with the negative and the judgmental behaviors. With that being said, 99.7% of the people who comment on our this mental health thing and everything we're doing are positive yes and that actually that actually blew my mind and s- several of the viral TikToks that i've had you know about a calf or about a this or about a that 99 percent of the community is positive yeah mm-hmm. but 70 percent of the one percent left are farmers being assholes is that right? Yeah. Being so you got yeah. 99% of the community that's so positive. You know, I mean, you get your wacky people who are, you know, you, you could hug a calf every day. It still wouldn't be good enough for them. But you got 99% of positive, and then you've got this 1%. And 70% of that 1% is farmers beating the shit out of each other. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Wow. And that's, that's been a thing. It is interesting because it does seem like a lot of the hate that goes on on farm talk is, farmer is to farm. from other farmers. Right. It's not from outsiders looking in, just looking to see <clears throat> in there tearing other people down. It is it is like behind, like it's friendly and, fire. And a lot of- I want to double back to the external validation points that we talked about previously. That is a risk of social media that I just oh, want everyone yeah. to be keenly aware of. That don't base your self-worth and how cool you are or, you know, if you're doing a good job, don't base that off of what happens on social media. Mm-hmm. Because like what we just said, there's a lot of encouragement and positivity there. But sometimes mm-hmm. when you strike the wrong chord, right. the, hateful, the hateful comments that come out is not a reflection on you. No. Mm-hmm. It, it's a reflection on the people that are commenting. So I just want everyone to just be... A healthy level of cautious about social media and like letting that dictate how Absolutely. you speak to yourself. Like and I so, think, yeah. and, and now one of the things that I've done is I've harnessed it. And I'm, now I'm, because like the TikTok al- algorithm, the more comments, the more interaction you get, the more views you get, the more likes, the more, you know, the more it's followers. Like a snowball, yeah. It's like a snowball. So, like a week ago, I made this. TikTok about how this one set of trail cameras that I use I hate and I threw them all in the garbage. Well, this one person started arguing with me and telling me that it was user error and I'm an idiot. I never got revved. I just kept fucking with him, you know. And and before it was done, he commented like 40 times. The views went from <laughs> 8,000 to 28,000. He did me a favor. Oh, and before sure. he was all done, he's like, "Well, I don't even use that kind of trail camera. I use it." Every-. And I'm like. You fuck, but you gave me all the power I needed to, you know, and and now it's like, you know, I used to, like, I would make reply videos, and I'll get revved, and people love them, and 90% of the time I get a, I make a reply video, I don't actually get revved up. The world loves it. Yeah. It's just entertainment. It's just entertainment value, and 
It's people, energizing, yeah. And what I think people don't realize about me, that I realize about me, is 90% of the time I have no fucking idea what is coming out of my mouth in one minute. Like, <laughs> till it's out. Till it's out. And like, <laughs> if you ever watch me make a TikTok, like on a rant or anything, it's never in pieces. Highly chaotic. It is one full minute of just me saying what right. I need to say. Unfortunately, though, that gets... I mean, I think that's great because it does build the mm -hmm. algorithm, but I also want to comment a little bit on the positive comments because a lot of um, reading some of the comments on your viral video is really people saying thank you and that gets overlooked yeah. so and if and you notice thing. like yeah. there's so many people thinking one thought and all they needed was for one person to and say that's not going to blow you up but it is important to also you know you it's great that you're getting all those mm -hmm. views but it's also important that we we just aren't getting as energized from the, so oh, thank you. and i want to speak to that because one thing that we truly struggle with a viral video they're a fucker to manage i'll tell you the one with the monster and the calf, 3 million views, 8,000 comments, somewhere in there. But people genuinely want to know. And when you have 8,000 comments to attend to, you can't even answer You can't them, even answer them all. So, like, with that being said, like, for what we're, I think we're going to do this year is we're going to go live or we're going to answer the comments on the, the oh, podcast or something, yeah. all of the positive ones, and answer these questions. And I gotta stop now. I gotta say at the end of my videos, shop locally, beef.com, and listen to our podcast because, right? I mean, we're headed into viral TikTok season, season for yeah. Joe. Calving and, Calving and yeah. maple is gonna right. turn into and typically and, historically and live would be able to like bring the questions and write. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like um, we had talked off air your favorite podcasts, and one of the one of his favorite content to consume is these girls read Reddit oh threads and then they do, then they have conversations about the questions. People will ask like, am I the asshole? And they'll ask a question oh, and yes. then they deliberate on that through the podcast and that's his favorite thing. So I don't, want, I don't listen to podcasts. So listen to, uh, he does it on TikTok. But my point is we will bring, we want to bring those positive comments out into conversation to kind of go through and address questions, good mm -hmm. comments, concerns in mm -hmm. sort of that Reddit style yeah. Like content. So, and that's what I'm, what I think we're going to do is now, like I said, we're headed into this viral TikTok season, if you will. And when one goes viral, we're going to go live yeah. and we're going to answer the questions all the way down through. And we're going to pin the comment at the top. Yeah. But one of the biggest things that we found is that people really want to know about agriculture. It's something we're so far away from now. Yes, and there is a very high level of eagerness to learn. Right, and so to me, what we need to do and we're, we, what we've been talking to to bring this back around full circle is the farming community needs to be a community. We need to all answer questions positive about each other's mm -hmm. farms. Where, you know, if you see a viral video and you happen to find, a, of mine, and you find a farmer in a, at a local market and you ask him that question, you need to support me in a positive way, in a yeah. positive light, because there's farmers, we have no reason going against each other. You know, we're, we, we shouldn't be fighting with each other. We should be building each other up. And that will help with the mental health aspect. Absolutely. You know, when you, 
No one wants to look like the guy whose farm didn't make it while everybody else's oh, farm so made it. Oh, it's so bigger. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so it's yeah. just as much as we need to build each other up. Right. I mean, I mean yeah. you can see it in all of our small communities, the dick measuring contest that goes Terrible. on amongst small farms. And it's like, or we could all be cool with each other. And, and like just and, be team egg. And I'm really honored to be part and having you guys bring mm -hmm. me into this and just my little part that I can play. With that said, we want to hear from you. Yeah. We really want to hear from you. We want we you know, we don't have all the answers. No. And you you have your own life experiences mm -hmm. and we want to and even if you disagree or have better different better ideas, bring them out. Right. Your thoughts are valid and we want to hear them. I mean, I said this on a previous podcast. Recording a podcast is sort of a lonely type of content. Like it's typically him and I in a room, door closed, we're recording, we're speaking, but no one's talking back to us. Right. Like it's just a monologue mm -hmm. and you know, without feedback, it really leaves us unsure of which direction to go. I think that this is gonna strike some feedback. I think. And I think sure. that- I would hope. Yeah. And I think that we're gonna get more of this. What I found, is the, the generational thing. This is where we change this. Right. This generation changes this. Generation You're never going to, you know. Um, and, and the next generation's coming up. Yep. Because they're getting more educated in the language of mental health. Yep. And, Absolutely. And the boomer generation, the older generation, had and no education on that. They don't even have the language that these sure. are thinking Sure, it's not even a concept they're like familiar with. But I will yeah. say, even to this day, you know, when someone brings it up in public, I'm like, hmm. You know, like that I see a counselor. Right, there is a little yeah. flinch that still happens um, apparently. You know, and, and even in my family, mm -hmm. I live kind of a weird life because I there's a whole world of people that follow me and know more about me than your people you see. Than people I see day. every day because yeah. I'm very public about, mm -hmm. but here's why. Those people don't judge me. The, my followers on TikTok, the people that follow me don't, I don't feel any judgment. Right. I feel like they, they're like, Joe's fucking awesome. We love Joe. And then I feel like people around me are a little like, eh. Here's a perfect example. I will put this on TikTok again with zero concerns. Hit the button, fucking go on about my day. And when I put a picture, a selfie up of us three and put it on my Instagram and Facebook story, it's like, hmm. You know, because there's people on there that watch my shit that don't know on Facebook and Instagram right. that don't know there's a whole other part of Joe sure. that's like an alter, not having the same fucking person, right. but like there's a whole, you know, and it's, it's concerning. Like, Well, that's like you're saying, we're talking about vulnerability. vulnerability. Yep. Yeah. It's not easy. That's why we talk about how much strength it mm -hmm. takes because other people wouldn't go outside like you guys mm -hmm. do of your home and you would, you would like to keep everything behind closed doors. So it's scary. Mm -hmm. It's really scary to do this. So a lot of people aren't doing it. So you guys are brave. You're, it, this is very courageous. Mm -hmm. And you're role modeling. Mm -hmm. So this is you being role models for not only your own peers, maybe for the, some of the older generation, but definitely for the up and coming. Well, and my thing, go ahead. Thank you. Yeah. You're yes. welcome. Thank you. <laughs> um, my thing too is if if I could do a work in my life, if I could if, if something was done by the time I died, it would be that mental health was not something someone had to be fucking courageous about. 
I shouldn't have to be courageous to, you know, it should be just like, yeah, I see a counselor because it's healthy for me. And I would like your take on this because this is something that gets me, Rev. And I think we're going to stand on the same front. But why the fuck is there not um, a, a counselor? And why should you not have to take a mental health class in every fucking grade and pass it? Why should you, why the fuck question. can you not pass, why do you, this, because uh, this the educators is, can't pass it. <sighs> Sorry, that's the truth. And but I'm my thing is, back on if you want to, if you want to make a, America strong again and make America great again. Yeah, add the mental uh, health component. Holy shit, when you, to graduate kindergarten, you need to learn self-respect. I understand that, but let, let's look at it from the educator's point of view also, because they're, you know, in, 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 our, in our area here, um, working with some teachers, is that they're just so frustrated with, they're not teaching anymore. They've got, they, you know, there's so much administrative stuff, yeah. there's all this stuff that they have to do, and now we, we're going to add this education component on right. it, and this on top of them. Already heaping Already, plates. but the problem is, is that they don't know, and when I was in, in um, going through my PhD program, we had classes connected with higher education, mm -hmm. and these are um, people that are some kind of an educator in high school or colleges that are going on for their master's PhD levels work, and they are so interested in mental health. And, and, and there'd be like three of us in the mental health field that were in the class with them, and that's all they wanted to talk about. So they are really eager, mm -hmm. most of them, especially the ones that are continuing education. Yes. But we, they, we're looking at we can't teach the class because we aren't going to hire someone that works in this profession to do it specifically. So we can't dump it on the teachers because right. they're going to have to spend more money, more time in school. Right. And this isn't something, this, my work isn't just going through years of school, but it's the daily ongoing continuing education because I study this, I read this because I love it, just like right. you guys do with farming. It's a passion of mine to learn about human behavior. So it is really more difficult. I agree, yes. The language is already starting in the school systems where they are talking about anxiety. They are they are addressing emotions. Mm -hmm. Right. But they're not sending them out to get family therapy. They're not putting them out in the community. And if they are, I have a resident right now that she's a family therapist. She's been in private practice. She's right next to me. She's phenomenal. And she is the only one in Livingston County and the surrounding counties that is actually a trained specialist in working with children under, and, and it's rare to work that even therapists will work with somebody under the age of 10, and she works with kids as young as three. That doesn't exist. So right. where do we, we sell this? Well, yeah. and the thing about it is, is this is my point as a, by and large as a whole. This would be the greatest thing, thinking large, for this country. Yes. Um, and I'm not saying singling kids out. I'm saying teach a class. Right. In a kindergarten, you have math, social studies, and mental education, health. Education, yeah. Right. You know, and there's, a, there's a class. of, yeah. and, and, and it would be more important, excuse me, than biology. Than it, 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 let me rephrase. In a lower... You know, up until sixth grade, you take mental health. Until we build you into a strong little Right, you human. can regulate your emotions. The, you you can regulate. You can regulate your anger. You can regulate. Because, unfortunately, and this goes way off topic, but unfortunately, 
in my belief, America subsidizes single parent homes. And, and I believe in, in many sense, it takes a strong family to build a confident human. And when these, when, when there isn't a strong family at home, why don't we put these kids in and give them the strong, the individual strength, teach them it. Right. Teach them, hey, you, you, you're worth something, right. you know, and start building that block. And then teach them that your friend is worth something and his feelings matter. And holy shit, but in 12 years, what you could do to the students graduating a high school, and I, you could, I'd sell the fucking farm just to do it in one high school to prove my point. Sure. That the, the seniors coming out of that high school in 12 years would be animals far better adjusted humans. they would be animals they would go into and i mean animals in a good way i mean right. you couldn't stop that's these a people. compliment coming from Joe. <laughs> <laughs> right when i text somebody and, and, and my text her be like that kid he's really good that kid's a fucking animal like oh, you know yeah. this kid comes out of out of high school like a fucking rocket ship and has an own yeah. confidence to go do something so again you're talking about the self-confidence having kids coming out of any any school because there's a big thing now that didn't exist when i was a kid i mean it did but we didn't have a label for it is that imposter syndrome and that's lacking confidence like I'm not good enough I don't belong here it all comes down to really understanding ourselves and the emotion which is what we would learn in these programs and a lot of kids that are going into some kind of like family therapy private practice treatment with their families they're learning this language it's just it's just another way to do it and it's really interesting because back to the self-deprecating behavior you cannot be self-confident if you don't treat yourself well yeah yeah because and that's what needs talk right and if you come across as confident and you don't treat yourself well and you don't treat other people well that's arrogance mm -hmm. and then we think of a lot of people will say well if i'm nice to myself that's isn't that selfish we we think of that as oh. selfish. And yeah, you're, I love your reaction, both of you. Guys. Yeah, you're like, right. yeah, yeah. I hear that all the time. Well, if I if I take care of myself and and I'm kind to myself and you know, I I eat better and I I move more and just just uh, my mental health, that's taking time from other people. So that's selfish. So, but can't pour from an empty cup. Yes, I love that. You cannot pour from an empty cup. So the thing is, is that when you are nicer to yourself, you feel like a million bucks. You feel really good. And Which, when I feel good, I'm nicer to yeah, you. everyone. And I'm, I'm more connecting. Mm -hmm. When I feel bad, I'm more distancing. It's almost like, you know, when you have a cold, you're like, oh, you know, mm -hmm. you're like, oh, just it. So when we have mental health problems, when we're not feeling our best or we're, we're not taking care of our nutrition and everything else that we need to do, it's, it's also, we don't feel good, and we mm -hmm. don't feel good, we push away. Mm -hmm. So if we're really starting with really paying attention and observing how we are with ourselves, that will be really connecting and it develops way better relationships. Mm -hmm. Back to what you're saying is, how do farmers, are they connecting with each other instead of insulting each other? You know, yeah. and that would be by starting with, hey, let's, what, what it would it be like if I was actually nice to myself mm -hmm. and stopped beating myself up? Because, you know, we're kind of on the low right now, financially, the weather's bad, you know, whatever's going on. Yeah, and I can, I can say with <laughs> confidence that to a listener like that, like, oh, be kind to yourself. Like, it sounds like hippie, rabble, bamboo, oh, bamboo, no, right? No. Like, well, but so truly, like, if you're suspicious of it, like, don't deflect it. 
don't deflect it initially. Like, just just try. It, just it, try. It, it, there's three steps. That hurt you. Three steps to it. Is the first step is it's it's really paying attention and observing how awful you are. It's the language you use. It's the labels you use against yourself. It's the tones you use. Like, and then when I say tone, that can be confusing, but it's like, oh my God, you know, what's wrong with me? It's just that, that negative tone rather than, huh, I'm a work in progress. What can I do differently? Right. And then the behavior. self-aware. So there's nothing hi- hippy-dippy. I like it. That's all right. But if you want it. But it's not hippy-dippy when you're really paying attention to, you know, me lying on the couch all day and being depressed is not treating myself well. Me, me having a bad day and drinking a bottle of bourbon isn't treating myself mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just, that's just the facts. Mm-hmm. And really deeply paying attention to mm-hmm. it and say, what can I do better? Because I want to feel good. What what is everybody? They come into counseling, and what is their goal? I want to be happy. Yeah. Right. And yeah. what we're looking for is you can't be happy if you are really you know chronically beating yourself up. And what's really fascinating is when we do talk about that in sessions, is people don't even know they're doing it. No. So we're just bringing conscious awareness. Right. Self awareness. If too. you start there, just bringing that self awareness, bringing into your conscious awareness. Then change can just happen just based on that because you're going to say, Well, gee, I don't like that. Right. All of a sudden you're like, Oh, I yeah. guess I do do that. Yeah. I guess I do. <laughs> and, um, then, and that exactly is what depression, there's so many ways to, to define depression, but that's a pretty big one right, right there. So, one of the takeaways from that topic is some of the most successful people that I know, I'm very close with them. Some of my mentors, if you will, are looked at in the community as arrogant and they're not arrogant they're self-confident they're self-confident and there is a huge difference and for a long time you know like if you notice on my facebook it's joey f and siler and the story behind that is because i was the wild man at the party and i was everybody was like there goes joey fucking siler look at him you know and that was like that was like my i mean that's that was what like that, your persona that was my persona my was this wild man yeah. who was revered because he was wild and had a fucking riot and everybody you know for the most part was like he's fucking awesome and i had this wild self-confidence now i lost that in the transition of when we were buying the farm and things went bad from college uh, from college yeah i mean the start of that was when i dropped out of college Mm -hmm. you know the community got instantly a different eye instantly it was fucking instant the minute i dropped out of college everybody's like I don't know if he's going to do good and which fucked them because I obviously proved a point in that respect. But if I would had some fucking mental health in, in high school and learned to be confident in right, myself, maybe just fucking maybe I wouldn't have spent 10 or 15 years being not confident in myself, losing that persona persona because I'd have had some, some confidence taught to me by a trained fucking professional. One of the differences between um, arrogance and self-confidence is one feeds your soul and one feeds your ego. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. We all feed our ego a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you, you have know, to. We, we, we do. We're just like, we're proud of ourselves. Proud of your health, yeah. Yeah, and we're like, but, but if we miss that, like, what really deep down inside that we feel good and we treat ourselves well that's self-confidence. Mm-hmm. Ego is when we are not treating ourselves well and we're like, look at me. 
Right. You know, look at me, aren't I great? When we're doing everything to feed the ego and for the wrong reasons, or to one-up your, your neighbors. And it's also, again, it connects directly to fear, mm -hmm. you know, because we're, we're afraid that we, we don't like ourselves or we're not good enough or we're, we're, we're self-judging or other right. people are judging. And someone who's confident isn't really, we, we want to be connecting and kind, and, but we're not worried about as much as what other people think. Mm -hmm. We're not letting that direct our mm -hmm. life, you know. One of my biggest changes that I noticed capturing all these things is I am a completely different hunter than I was two years ago. Two years ago I'd go sit in the woods and like play on my phone just waiting for a deer to go by and like was not in the moment. And we talked about this, mm -hmm. one of the biggest things you've taught me. And I still, and I attribute this, she gave me shit for it the other day, was I'm on autopilot. And I go through my day and I'm like, where the fuck did I put my phone? Where did I put my shirt? Where, why, what was I just doing? I don't know. Because I'm on autopilot and I'm going through the motions of my life, but I'm not like, I'm not in my house. I'm thinking about the shit I got to do outside or I'm thinking about where I got to be or this bill or what do I got to do? And I attribute, I hope, 90% of that to me being on autopilot as a human. Mm -hmm. I'm just headed somewhere. I'm driving somewhere. Right. That's a byproduct of being very busy, having a lot to do, mm -hmm. the stress of managing businesses and what is something that can be managed. But I mean, a lot of times I'll be like, I'll be listening to what she's saying and I don't remember fucking thing she said because I was thinking about something else in my brain that mm -hmm. I got to do outside. Like, I think that now I, I do a better job. Like this year, I hunted all year. I just, I didn't pull my phone out. I just sat in the tree stand, just watching. And just, you were present. Which is right, exactly what I'm, exactly what I'm getting at. Like all of a sudden, I was like, mm -hmm. and now it's like you know, and and then I made a priority. I used to be 15 minutes before dark, headed to the tree stand, you know, like a joke. And now it's like, I it's like going to a job at 3:30. I go to my tree stand. Well, and I think you learned that approach with your commitment to the counseling appointments, yeah. you learned that mm -hmm. if you make something a priority, you can just, you'll just make it happen. It, it's, it's intentional, meaning, meaning it's doing something on purpose. Mm -hmm. So one of the things is that, you know, you, you do, and I, I agree with what you're saying, Erica, is you, you're busy people and you're mm -hmm. just on, you know, so you are on autopilot. But when somebody starts talking and, and you want to tune in, it's, it's this really important pause. It's a couple seconds, maybe mm -hmm. not even that long. You just take a pause and you might say, just, just give me a minute and I'm going to look right at you and then tune into you. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm making that shift mm -hmm. so it doesn't just come in one ear and go out the yeah. other. Sometimes throughout the day, we just need to kind of take that pause. Mm -hmm. I, I think hunting is wonderful because most, I know women hunt too, but... A lot of men just get that time to get out in the woods and connect with nature and just not and it, it's the it's the one time opportunity that everything just kind of melts yeah. away yeah and you're right there even if you're not shooting anything and you're just sitting it's just really therapeutic yeah. in itself and I know people outside that aren't hunters and don't understand that may not understand this but I talk people men that come in and see me they that most of them are hunters and I mm -hmm. encourage it just not it's just being in the woods there's something so, about nature her yeah. mom said to me like i don't understand how joe who goes a million miles an hour can go just sit in a tree like how does that work and it's like you don't understand it's this like, is yeah. this is the and what 
one of the biggest things there's a disconnect with people who don't understand hunting is it's not kill it's not called killing it's called hunting and i sat in the woods the most i've ever sat in the woods in my life specifically hunting one deer but my point was is that you sit there for let's say 100 hours and you kill that deer in about 25 seconds from the time you see that animal to the time it's till the time you don't see it anymore mm -hmm. whether you have killed it or missed it whatever you realize the time spent sitting there with your thoughts you know, it's not like there's constant deer in front of you and you're not, you're sitting there marinating. Right. Well, and it's healthy. I mean, what did Ryan say about running? Yeah. That's where he spends time in his head yeah. is when he's running. And no sometimes you're emptying your head. Yeah. yeah. And Ryan, one of Ryan's, uh, he was on our previous podcast, one of his takeaways is you haven't ran until you hit three miles. He goes, at three miles, things clear out of your head. Exactly. And I don't, for me, you haven't, I never loved hunting and I'm almost sad that I spent this many years not hunting, getting to the woods For to kill real. a deer. Yeah, yeah. I went to the woods to kill. I didn't go to the woods to hunt. Yeah. You know, and, I, and now it's like, it didn't feel like a hunt unless I was there an hour and a half or two hours. It didn't feel like hunting. It felt like I was there to kill a deer and get back home. And, and it's that same thing like you said about your commute to counseling was mm -hmm. marination time, just right. like time with your And thoughts. I think as... And I'm sure female farmers very much deal with this. I am not a female and I don't know, but, and I don't know what goes on on their side of things, but I think for, um, from me being a male and a farmer and a business owner, and the one that most of the problems are projected to, was in the rafters last night strapping their roof down, 90% of those problems, but as a male farmer, we don't stop. We don't take time for ourselves. And I mean, you told me this the whole time. Like, what happens if you what happens if you work yourself to death? How will the farm look then? And I mean, if you step your ass back and you sit and think about that, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there's been a lot of nights last night not being one of them. I've done some pretty sketchy shit. Well, how would that look if I wasn't here today? Well, that comes under the the when we're talking about self kindness. Is that's the behavior you're talking about? If you're working yourself to death, that's a behavior mm -hmm. that's not beneficial for you. Right nor for your family. Now, I understand that we work more hours, double hours, if not more, than everybody else, yeah. but we're asking to, to go sit in the woods for an hour or two is giving yourself that time. It's kind of, we get out of balance when we work too much. You know, there's that work-life balance. It is different for farmers than it is for people who work 40 hours a week. It's totally different. But when we're completely out of balance chronically, we're not giving ourselves that time. And it's really interesting because hunting is usually just a, a seasonal thing. And so what are you doing in the spring? There are times, and it is seasonal too. I look mm -hmm. at things seasonal, especially in our area, where in the springtime, that's it, you're working. You know, mm -hmm. maybe you get a, an hour or two or something a week, maybe if not at all. But then there's a the part of the year where you can kind right, of Right, in the fall. Back. So, so and that's, yeah. yeah. And I mean, we do, we obviously have a lot of hobbies and a lot of things, but like, what what the general public doesn't realize and 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 here i am defending me having fun time but like you know yeah we have snowmobile we have a boat we have all the things but it's not like we go for a whole week boating we hop on the boat and I go to the lake in 20 minutes and boat for two hours and come home you know and like what people don't understand is the farming thing i what I, my one of my biggest hatreds for my job is i do not have a day off 
I don't have a guaranteed. You you are done at five, or you work Saturday till noon. I can't I can't tell you that because I, I don't we know. Can try. We can try, but you know we have been now that you know things are calmed down Saturday at noon. I went and did some things and stuff and whatever. But like farmers, that's a thing you never get that. You know, and and what I you never get that. This is my time, and I as much as I equally love my time coming to to see you. I just as much loved my time on the way there. And my guarantee, sure. my guarantee that Tuesday at 5, I didn't have to be farming. You know, it was, so I had somewhere to be. The whole time I was coming to you, I, I hid it to what I had to hid to everyone what I was doing. And and, and it was off-putting yeah. to people. Right. Like, what in the fuck is that boy doing gone? You like, know what? You're, you're reminding here. me. My late husband <coughs> were crazy crazy hours you know they kind of did the three shifts mm -hmm. you know the milking and everything but one of the things that he did was he played racquetball in rochester oh shit yes. that is wild <laughs> so all these hours he's, he's working and that was like i never ever said a word about it because i just of the, the whole time i was with him for many many years that there was only one time i know that he didn't go and he was miserable really yeah and so he went they called him the farmer. He was completely in a world uh, just unlike him. Yeah. He was a natural athlete, and he could wipe the floor. And he'd just show up once a week with a racket. And it and I and I really knew at the time, and I know now even more, how that carving that time out intentionally That's was huge. was so important for his mental health. Of course, I wasn't in the field at yep. that time, but, but it now it's so obvious. Deep to you. down, I knew, but now I really sure. understand it. Yep. And and people would give him a hard time about it, but he just he was determined that was his time. And then he'd go out and have a beer with a group of guys and who, women, had, no, who had no no idea. correlation sure. to Nothing. his business or to like all this, of the bullshit. It was, yeah. He wasn't a hunter because he says I'm cold all the time. I don't want to sit outside mm -hmm. any more than I have to. But he said it just it was just his therapy, and, and I think that was magnificent. Yeah, you know, and so. so you know, with us or with with my. I mean, you have your guaranteed just about every Wednesday you go do your riding club. And, you know, and it's like, I always, I always presented her for it. Like, how the fuck do you get to leave? Mm -hmm. And I wasn't prioritizing myself yeah. to go leave. And now it's like, now it's now more than ever. It's like, oh, she has to do that because it's what she does. But it used to piss me off because I didn't have my own hobby. You know, I didn't have nothing. All I had was farming. That was it. That was what I did. You know, now that I'm a hunter, like, I hunt aggressively. Like, I, I told her, I'm like, when the combine key gets shut off, I'm headed to the woods and I'm going hunting. And it kind of did fuck things up a little bit because, you know, I had a family missing me from harvest. And now I got a family missing me because I'm hunting. So we need to work on that a little better next year. You know, but at least I'm... I'm aware enough now yeah. to be like, this is something And you're that... open to having a conversation about right. it rather than getting mad at each mm -hmm. other. Mm -hmm. you know, and, right, and or that... just being like, screw that, I'm going hunting. Like, right. yeah, yeah. It's and, not a closed door. And, and watching well, the language that you're using with each other and not having it as an attack, but just, just really supporting each and other. And what blows right? my mind is I have some buddies who are successful men like myself, and and they'll be, I'm like, hey, we hunting? And they'll be like, oh, i got to ask my wife. And then, no, she said no, and it's like, the fuck are you do like 
No, that's not. No, that's not. We healthy. literally don't have time to address the chaotic marriage situations right. that surround like our friends. <laughs> but but no, but I mean, it's just for me. I think in in a healthy farm marriage and a healthy farm, like you gotta step the fuck away from that thing. And 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 what I've noticed, and I now now the people are messaging me. But but people are, are stepping away in unhealthy coping mechanisms. Yeah, like right. Like they may nowadays, you know, when, when our parents and when my husband was alive, we didn't have scrolling. You know, we didn't right. have that kind of an escape. It's so so that's a whole other thing that we're dealing with. But, you know, like there's the drinking or shutting down or being angry or isolating, like not like being you know, social anxiety is meaning that social anxiety is huge with farmers. That's the other thing that we notice. And. That means um, social anxiety is like we're not comfortable being in social situations because we're worried about what other people are thinking about us. Mm -hmm. And so those are the things that are coping mechanisms, but they're not healthy. And what, you, what you're bringing up and what my husband was doing was a healthy coping mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. It's a healthy like way just to relax your body a little yeah. bit and go do what feeds your soul mm -hmm that we don't usually have the opportunity to do because we are so busy, but just carving that time out, absolutely. And, and now, I mean, and you, I want to bring back, like, you know, you had said, well, hunting is seasonal, but like for me, you know, I live and die on trail cameras. I mean, I have, they send right, pictures to my phone, you, you know, and, and I make it something <clears throat> that, you know, if you add up the hours that I spend hunting, I do it all year round. You know, I mean, I, 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 I mean, the trail cameras, I was just, I took a five or six mile walk sat Sunday or Saturday, changing my trail cameras, moving things around, mm -hmm. you know, checking for trails and seeing what was happening. And, you know, it was like, I came back from that. I'm like, I just need two hours. I'll be back. And I came back and I'm like, and then, you know, and then I felt re recharged and energized. Yeah, and I instantly went down and got Jay's snowmobile running. And then I was about her father to Jay because, Absolutely. you know, and then, and then I'm like, oh, and hon, I'll take Jay's snowmobile and you go see, you go ride your horse. So you're treating yourself well. And what happened? And you have better relationships. Yeah. You just yeah. I'm better father because mm -hmm. I took my I'm loving this. I'm walking around. I'm yeah. checking this. I'm loving this. It's mm -hmm. an hour, maybe two hours. Yeah. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to give you my undivided attention. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and I, uh, you know, I, one thing with that being said is like, I made myself, I'll be back at two. And I was not back at one thirty. I was back at two mm -hmm. fifteen. Um, but. But, you know, but my point was, is I didn't rush what I, you know, because I'll get into that habit, and I know us farmers do this, get into this big fucking habit where I got to rush, 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 rush. Well, if you stop back and be like, I'm going to be at this as long as I need to be at this for myself. Yeah. Well, it's a game changer. For sure. Prioritizing. Yeah. So. We're running low on minutes. Yeah, that is the longest podcast. Which isn't a big deal. Is Before we wrap. Why don't you kind of plug your own, you've got your book or, you know, whatever. Yeah, you you've got a book. And yeah, blatant self-promotion. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah do that. So I own Cleveland Emotional Health. They just go .com and you can kind of get a little more information on me. Um, the book that I just published is more, not it's directed for, um, it's called The Business of Private Practice. And it's for, um, you know, taking my business background and my counseling background and developing a, a program. Uh, first of all, I, it's a workbook. I love writing workbooks yeah. and because people get to put in their own thoughts of how it's not just how I see the world, 
and how things should be. But you read what I read, and then you can write and in what your thoughts are. You know, so it gives you some great ways to be creative and explore what for works sure. best for you. So that's really helpful. It talks about my residency program for students that are graduating. You know, minimum of a master's degree and um, the ethics and all different types of my business. But the book that I'm working on right now, Joe, is Boundary Setting. It's called- Oh, good. It's called, right now, the, the working title is The Importance of uh, Boundary Setting for Your Mental Sanity. So that's just a working title, yeah. uh, the vital importance of it. But um, so it's really, there's stages and steps to understand boundary setting, and there's way more to it than what we're talking about. So you understand how to set those boundaries. And, and all we're talking about today is a lot of boundaries because giving myself time to go out into the woods and not letting people say, no, you can't do that, that's a boundary or guilting you because you're doing it. And just really quick, yeah, I was setting my own boundaries yes. that were unhealthy. You know, it wasn't ever a person right. telling me you couldn't do that. It was right, yeah. You know, but go on. I just wanted to. You but know. And, and you know, it's it's all within reason too. You know, because we're working in a family and we're working in a community, so we're not talking about being selfish at all. But it's about how can I connect better with you? And the only way we can do that was understanding boundaries. And there's different steps to having boundaries and the biggest thing if when we try to put boundaries in it gets in the way is when we're trying to put it a boundary in on another person rather than the boundary for us for ourselves. we sure. think you're crossing my boundary but i'm crossing my boundary right and then there has to be a consequence and the consequence has to equal the boundary and then the one thing the biggest thing that gets in the way is the guilt because you beat yourself up because you're setting a boundary because you're like oh people aren't going to like me we're more worried about whether people like us and then we spend time when we don't do what we really want to do when we can't appropriately then we're angry and resentful mm -hmm. so that's what happens if we don't have healthy boundaries we spend a lot of time being angry and and i i've spent a lot of my life being angry about certain things and i didn't realize it and then i'm like i don't want to be angry this this isn't fun so that's what the book is coming out again it's going to be a workbook so you can talk about your own boundaries and kind of figure out your way so i really love writing these books they're on amazon just look me up katherine g cleveland on there this one is available but that one should be hopefully out by next summer nice. and if you have any suggestions you know shoot me an email if yeah. you get on my website you have oh things. i think your emails you want <laughs> if you want to write if you have some um ideas suggestions that you want to talk about you know, I think that's really important, and, yeah. and thank you very much. You Sounds know? good. Thank well, you. thank you for agreeing to meet us and yeah. letting us into your oh, space. Oh, I guess would be the part two. Yeah, we yeah. definitely need a part Well, two. I would really love to, you know, look at the comments and see what you guys, you know, look at the patterns mm -hmm. and pick out the ones that people want to have answers to the yeah, most. Yeah, for sure. We are, again, a call for feedback from everyone who's listening. That's, email her. You can email her, go through the any of our like main not his tiktok or my tiktok but like our main social media is facebook instagram yep um but easier. if you have suggestions send them in a categorical like right. order, like in yeah. an email um if you, you co at gmail.com you know I, i'm not rejecting messages by any means i just i want to reiterate that i i am i am a busy person and 
you know, the phone rings on a continual, but then on top, you know, we're... I'm yeah, getting, we want to just manage the info. I want to manage, and I don't want people feeling like I, I'm, yeah. I'm not getting back to them. But, you know, if, if you are in a um, sad mental state or you need help, just put urgent at the top. And I, and I, I will talk to anyone I have absolutely, because we cannot lose another farmer for, from, from suicide or mental health I problems. We just can. can't. I mean, and what scares me, and, and it's just something I wanted to bring up, is... I want everybody to sit back and think of how many farmers you know that you've lost from suicide. Because until I started really, when me and you started talking about it, I'm like, yeah, I don't really know anybody. And then I'm like, holy shit, yeah. I do know a you lot know of a people. Lot. I know a lot of people that have, that have committed suicide. Yeah. It's that, also contagion because I know like a, a, a father and a grandfather and a great-grandfather all in the same family that mm -hmm. took their lives. Mm -hmm. Because he did it. They, yep, and so they, it's like, well, you know, it, it is it is also modeling a behavior that's right. not You're healthy. Yeah, right. For so. sure. All, All right. right, party people, thanks yep. for hanging thanks. out. Thank you, we'll everybody. see you next time.